0: Welcome to the Save by Mother Earth podcast, where we talk about self-connection through spirituality and nature immersion. I'm your host, Heather Webster, and I'm so excited to have you here today. Today I had the great honor of interviewing Tamara Hurl. Tamara is a leadership coach who supports women who are passionate about helping society's dysfunctional systems transform. Her clients learn how to use art and nature to connect with universal wisdom and support, and then take their inspirational ideas back into the systems to help them reimagine how to do things. What sets Tamara apart from other coaches is her ability to weave experiential practices into coaching sessions. So without further ado, here's an interview
1: with Tamara.
0: Awesome. Well, welcome, Tamara. It's so great to have you on the Save by Mother Earth" podcast. How are you today?
1: Thank you. I am happy to be here, and I'm doing really well. Awesome. Is it cold where you are today? Or are you? Oh, I think it's going to be in the fifties. So I'm oh. going to. I can't wait to go outside pretty soon and and hang out with with nature.
0: Oh, beautiful. We started at five degrees this morning. So <laughs> I'm up in New Hampshire, so it's a little bit chillier right um, but it's it's nice to kind of still get out even in this weather when it gets like in the teens and bundle up there's something about that crisp air
1: i know it's it's magical that's for sure
0: so tell us a little bit about kind of your story and how you got to where you are and how it connects with self connection and nature i know you're big into nature
1: yes i am well, Heather, I I always loved nature, even as a as a young kid. I mean, I wasn't I wasn't one that would like pick up worms and play with them and stuff like that. But I really enjoyed being out in nature. I remember um, when I was in uh, middle school, I particularly remember I would go out and, and just walk. There was a pasture, an open pasture next to where we lived, and I would just walk for. Hours and I just felt so accepted there and so welcome and so at peace. So I I kind of always have had this connection to nature. And when I was graduating high school, I had no idea what I wanted to do. At first, I thought I wanted to be a nurse, but I get kind of queasy at the sight of blood. So I thought, well, that's probably not the best thing. And then I, so then I had um, a family. I started out young and I had a family. And when I was In my 30s, I had this really fun job at a museum, and I really liked it. It was a small local history museum, but I got to the point where I couldn't, I wanted to get an education, you know, beyond high school, and I couldn't decide what to do. And someone told me, I had always kind of liked art, and someone told me, oh, there's an art therapy program in a town not too far from here. So I started out as an art therapist. Well, except I knew I would need a master's degree. So I actually started out as an art teacher. And then while as soon as I started getting the art therapy training, I knew that's what I wanted to do. And I did that for many years and loved it. And then I got interested in coaching. And because I I really enjoy helping people build on their strengths. And so in the process, I don't know, I think it was about 15 years ago, I asked myself, I was like awake one night and I was feeling restless and I kind of still wasn't liking, um, I liked uh, working in the mental health field, but the, the expectations uh, for productivity were so high. It just didn't work for me. I couldn't have a positive attitude. I wasn't staying healthy. So one of those sleepless nights, I was asking myself, "What? So if you could do anything, this question I always ask my clients: If you could do anything you wanted, what would you? What would you do?" And I thought, "Well, I'd like to have a retreat center." And so it took me still several years to to find the right place. We um, we lived in a small place. It was about an acre, and it was beautiful, but it wasn't quite the right location. There there wasn't enough. Um, property really to make it work so then we moved we live near Colorado Springs now and we've been at this property for three years and it really since we've been here I've learned so much more about getting deeply connected to nature and my passion now is really helping using nature and art as a tool to help people who are they're either part of some of the systems that are kind of dysfunctional or they are, are out or ready to get out and want to get out. And so I support them. I help them get rejuvenated in nature and learn how to see nature as an oracle of what, you know, a, a way to get connected with divine wisdom and guidance. Wow.
0: Um Sorry, I'm writing that down. Nature as an oracle, I love that that statement. So that you said so much, and to kind of go back to what you, which I love. Um, you want to go back to like when you were young. You were talking about how in nature you felt welcome and at peace, and I think that's something that children and adults have a hard time sometimes in situations where they're living or they're working or just being where they don't feel completely welcome or at peace. Mm-hmm. And so I love that idea. And I think thinking back to my experience with nature and my current experience with nature, it's so, it, it that's the essence of it, of that everybody is welcome and we are nature. Mm-hmm. And this idea of that you can get outside and be accepted And now we're talking a little bit like you can be accepted by the trees, the animals, all of that, depending on kind of how you come into nature. Right. So can you talk about kind of how you experience that relationship between you and the world around you when you're outside?
1: Sure. And it's, it's really, it's, it's an ongoing journey for me. I call myself sometimes a recovering workaholic. Because even, even now, even though I, I like, it's like I know better, um, but what I really notice is that um, the way that I come into nature is very important because I've noticed that if I'm, I can, I can even be walking slowly, but if, it, if I'm in my head and worrying about things, you know, my, my energy field is full of anxiety and the animals can sense that. And I've learned that um, through, uh, so I'm a certified forest therapy guide and they taught me about a practice called sit spot. And they recommend that you sit there for 20 minutes because it takes that long for the animals will finally go, okay, I guess she's not gonna leave. So I'm gonna start doing my thing again. But I've noticed that even now um, I also took some training to become a nature connected coach. And what I've noticed that even the before, when I walk into my sit spot, I try to walk in slowly and not just be in a hurry. I noticed the other, I had such a magical thing happen the other day. So now... I walk fast too, just because to keep my muscles in shape for walking fast, because I noticed after a a year of just walking very slowly, every time I went out, then I went to the airport with my family and I like, couldn't keep up with them because I was used to this mindful, slow walking. But so now when I do, so I do a fast walk, but I also do a slow uh, walk where I pause. I have three sit spots on our property and I sit at each one of them and just I offer gratitude. I think that helps a lot. It's just being grateful, just looking around and seeing how beautiful it is. And, so, and then I try to walk mindfully. And A couple of weeks ago, I had done that. I had been at my two previous sit spots. I probably was outside for about an hour maybe. But by the time I got to my third sit spot, I had only been there for about 10 minutes. And out of the corner of my eye, I noticed a bobcat about 25 feet to my left. And it walked very slowly and then it stopped and it was licking a plant. And I was just in awe. I could not not believe that that she felt safe enough to just be there with me. It was such an honor. So I really think that the the way that we go into nature is so important. In um, Nature Connected Coaching, I learned about a concept called critical edge. And it's where sort of like, it's like personal space is for a person. You know, trees have those, I know animals do, you know, because when they notice us getting too close to them, like birds, you know, they will, they will, if we're walking in an agitated way, and we're walking quickly, they, their calls are like alarm calls. Mm -hmm. But if we're, if we're walking peacefully, they'll, they'll get within a few feet of us and, and the song that they sing is much different than when we're, we're coming into nature agitated so i think being aware of the critical space of of trees and you know just all the beings that are part of nature is really important
0: what a beautiful story about the bobcat i too i'm a mindful outdoor guide so it's similar where we learn about the sit spot and it's amazing when you're in that space and all of a sudden everything starts coming back alive. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously it's always alive, but it starts coming back in, Mm -hmm. especially when the birds start to come in or creatures and being able to be in that space. I also find that's where my strongest intuition Mm -hmm. and my strongest words that are kind of coming in are always when I'm outside in nature. And so similar to what you were talking about of doing I'm a little envious that you have two sits. Well, I, have, I guess I could have multiple uh, sit spots on my property too, but this idea of like these two spaces that you have or three spaces that you have in your property. And it reminds me of one of the courses I mean, at the end of my training for mindful outdoor guide um, training through it's through Kripalu in Western mass. Nice. And while I was doing that, the, one of the last things we do is a day on the land. And we can do it in any way possible we want, however we feel called to. And it's similar to what you're talking about, where we spent six hours on the land and I spent time barefoot, walking mindfully, sit spots, journaling, all of those things. And giving gratitude to the land is a big piece. So I totally appreciate and love what you shared about that because a lot of times people go out in nature thinking that they want to complete a hike. Mm-hmm. They want to get to a summit. They want to get to a certain space, come back, they get in their car and they don't really even acknowledge everything that had happened around them mm-hmm. and having that balance. If that is like, we all have goals of like wanting to maybe, like you said, you want to be able to <laughs> catch up in the airport. Right. And so you want, sometimes you go for the fitness and other times you go for the mindfulness or you can combine the two. Right. And that's how powerful that is. So can you share kind of, how do you combine the two and what kind of power does that kind of bring into you, for you?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, sometimes to combine the two, I'll, I'll walk to the edge of our, we have eight and a half acres and it's a long skinny property. So sometimes when I walk to the edge of the property, I'll walk quickly and then on the way back, I'll walk more slowly the mindfully, but it, it could also be mixed up. You know, maybe I walk to my first sit spot quickly and then slowly to my second one and then quickly to my third one. In fact, I read something about exercise. It that says that's really it's, it's good to vary it like that if when you're walking, because that helps your body. I don't know what I can't remember why, but they said that that's a great way to exercises to do slow and then fast and then slow when you're walking
0: that interval training kind right. of it like yeah. helps boost your heart but also gives you some break and for the people that love to get to the summit of a mountain you can also do that where you walk up to get to the summit and you sit at the summit mindfully for some time or maybe you on your way down you decide okay half the way you're going to walk really as quickly as you can and then you have the rest of it to kind of just so that way you're exiting Right. In a mindful way versus exiting in this like adrenaline filled. (laughs) Right. Exactly. Do you find that you get messages while you're out in nature?
1: Oh, definitely. All the time. And especially I like to, sometimes I like to go out and I'll just um, ask to be taught whatever, you know, whatever I need to know. So there's a concept that I love called vision council, and it's where you choose you choose beings and people, and it can be elements of the land, water is part of my vision council, and sometimes I'll ask them to walk with me, and, and I'll set an intention, sometimes I'll ask a question about, you know, help me with such and such, and sometimes I'll, I'll just say, I'm just open to be taught whatever you think I need to know right now. And I think it's really important. Some people don't get it. They're like, what, you know, what is that? Like (laughs) one person, one client that I was working with, she was getting ready to transition to a new career and she wasn't sure what it would be. And she was sitting at uh, a spot, like on a, a log beside a bush. And she said, I really didn't get anything. I can't remember what what directive I gave her. I I think it was something about asking for support with making this decision. She said, I really didn't get anything. And you know, I just I was just enjoying being out there in nature. And she said, but I did notice that this bird, it was on a stable branch, and then it hopped down onto this branch that, that kept wiggling up and down, up and down, and then it hopped back to the stable branch. And then it hopped back to the branch that went up and down. And I said, hmm, do you think uh, that could have been a message about you moving to something that doesn't seem stable? She was like, oh, maybe so. So I think people just don't realize it. I think they have to be taught. They have to be open to it first that really uh, things could, could happen. Because I feel like the universe just it orchestrates things like I've had people people who like butterflies, then while we're on a hike together, butterflies will come right by them and like fly around them. They have to believe that it's possible that nature and the universe are sending messages to them this way. And then they have to learn to interpret the, the messages. Right.
0: And they're so strong too, right? Once you start seeing them, you realize that they're everywhere. I have a friend who um, loves dragonflies and they represent kind of her loved ones that she's lost. And so she's so great at every time she sees one, she knows it's kind of a message. And for me, that's how like red tail hawks are for my, like my messages for my dad, I'm still balancing out whether it's a spirit animal or whether it's a message for my dad or both. Mm -hmm. Um, But for when you were talking about the water, that's how I feel about wind. Wind is whenever anything that comes to me, or if I'm feeling in a state of, I don't know, I feel like it always like I get this gust of wind, and I could be in the middle of the woods or I could be up on the mountaintop. I get this like strong, and that seems to come through pretty regularly for me, Mm -hmm. which is so powerful.
1: That's wonderful. Right. And I've had similar things happen, and I think it's so awesome. There's a, a, forest therapy practice that I do. That's called the pleasure of presence. And it's where you just open up your senses one at a time with clients. It's a guided meditation that I do. And so many times I'll say, and notice the, the feeling of the air against your skin and the wind will start blowing. And that, you know, it's just amazing how things can't make it up. (laughs) No, I can't. You can't make that up.
0: I remember when I was going through my, um, my training from outdoor work, the first time I acknowledged the fact that I could open my mouth and taste the air. Oh, and it was just like, whoa, like you couldn't even, I never, it's funny. Cause I grew up outside all the time. Mm-hmm. And when we, t- we were talking about our senses and this idea of like, well, yeah, I can taste winter green, or I could taste the blueberries that are out on the mountain tops and things like that. But when we got to taste and they were talking about just open your mouth and breathe in. Right. And that you could taste the air. And I was just like, of course you can, but it, it didn't even like fate, what? like
1: never even thought about that. Right. Exactly. And noticing that like, like dogs do, you know, when you, when you smell the air above you or below you or to the left or the right, it smells differently. I'm so, trying that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so, smell the air all around. That is so great. So you also talked about the art therapy and it's very interesting because I almost always have kind of seen the two of like nature and art really being combined. So I see you like kind of acknowledging that as well. So can you speak to that a little bit?
1: Yes. Um, I've really gotten attached to making art in nature. It's called ephemeral art, art that doesn't last. And earlier this year, I noticed that because I have such a hard time being, there's a part of me that always wants to be doing, I challenged myself to uh, go out in nature every day for 30 days and create ephemeral art. And I started creating these circular designs and they're called mandalas because they kind of start from the center and then work their way out. And I started posting the images on Facebook and my friends were saying, you should totally make an Oracle deck out of these. And so I did, and it's been such a, a wonderful journey. And just the process of going out in nature and noticing just the tiny intricate details. So we've been at this property for three years and there are all these things that I've never noticed before. It totally transformed my relationship to the plant kingdom because I noticed just the subtle beauty. And even in wintertime, when there's not much color, there's still all these textures and, and shades of of brown and, and tan that I hadn't noticed before. And so just being able to... Um, Notice the beauty in nature, I think really, really helped. And there's another process that I've always enjoyed, which is mask making. I've been making masks ever since I first started. Uh, When I first became an art therapist, I started making masks and I'm getting, um, I, I have a, a mask when I got my forest therapy training, I did a, um, we had to do a harvest project. It was really fun. So I decided to make a mask of myself as, as a guide. So that was real, a really fun process. I had a, I'm looking at it over, it, it hangs here, but it's a, a really fun, really fun um, image. And so I'm starting to do, do that as part of my um, offerings to people. I'm gonna have a mask making retreat in January and we'll be using nature too. And we'll spend time in nature because I think it's important. I love to have people make these masks and then go out in nature and really, you know, ask the universe to, the mask is going to represent who you're becoming, who you're in the process of becoming and to get some, some guidance from nature, because we just have no idea sometimes of what we're capable of, but the universe does and nature does. And, nature will share that with us and maybe get some, you know, maybe they'll see a pine cone that they want to incorporate. I actually found a, I, it's either a crow or a raven skull on the property. So I have, I have put that on the mask that I made and it was, it's really fun to just be open to these gifts.
0: Yeah. That's so symbolic too, of like, and I could see how therapeutic Mm -hmm. that could be in terms of mask making of like almost taking off the old mask and putting on the new mask, which is who you really are.
1: Exactly. And part of coaching, I think, is really figuring out what the deeper need is and then figuring out what qualities do I need to embody in order to become this person that I, that I want to become. And so the mask represents some people It's like, Oh, it's it covered. You're using it to cover up. No, it's like, you try it on and you, it's like, okay, this, well, this is scary. So you take it off, but then you put it on until you can really become that. Before then, it,
0: once it becomes the fit, right. When that right. fit is just right. Exactly. I was thinking about this more recently. Um, and it's just been something that's kind of stuck with me. And I think it's something I need to dive into more, um, for my own practice and for my business. But this idea of when you were talking about like that fear around the mask at first, right. But thinking back to, it used to be back in the day when we were being chased by tigers or lions or whatever, right. The fear was outside. And as I've been kind of diving into work recently, I'm starting to realize that that fear or that anxiety has moved to the inside. We are no longer safe in our buildings because of the news, the media, the social, the social media, all of that stuff is bringing up so much anxiety where that used to live back in the day. It was like, if you were going to be chased by an animal and you would go to your cave or your building, your structure that you created, and that was your safe space. So it's interesting how that kind of has twisted
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and now nature is our safe space
1: Mm -hmm. and it's
0: like this this whole healing process of like Mm -hmm. now to get out of that kind of techno technological world that we live in where anxiety and fear comes up for people we actually go outside
1: right and some people i think are afraid of um, nature Mm -hmm. and so part of it is just you know, I'm sure with the work that you do as well, part of it is just helping them feel safe or helping them be able to just disregard um, some, or well, in in, um, forest therapy, we call it edges and coaching too. So you reach your edge and can you move past that? Right. Getting your hands dirty or laying down or whatever.
0: Yep. And where did that edge come from? Was it created by Mm -hmm. something that really, Makes sense and is a true edge of like, I think of like, for me, like heights are a big thing. So I I like to stay away from the actual physical edges. Um, and so for me, that's, and also there's days where I don't feel as balanced. Mm-hmm. And so when I'm hiking and I'm feeling a little off balance, I don't even go close to a cliff. Mm, good for um, you. And then there's other times where I'm like, oh, you know, I was reading some of those stories recently about single women out on their own. And, oh, maybe I'm a little nervous because of A, B, and C could happen. And it's like, okay, what's reality? Yes, A, B, and C could potentially happen someday, but it could also happen at my house or on the mm-hmm. road, right? And so being able to break through those for women, especially mm-hmm. when it comes to being out in nature alone, because right. something so I say powerful a lot recently but there is something powerful about being able to be outside either with somebody who also wants to be in the silence or solo and making sure you put safety precautions in place for yourself right
1: right do what you need to take care of yourself and I, and I love what you said about seeing what's real and what's what's just you know fear based but not really rational right
0: because really anything could happen anywhere.
1: True. <laughs> and point. just,
0: and when you put things in place, mm-hmm. like taking right. courses on how to read a map and with compass mm-hmm. and all those kind of things, or if you're on your, on your own property, you kind of know those safety pieces. Now you talked about the mandalas. Do you typically do those only on your property or it goes into that whole leave, no trace.
1: Right. I I've only done them on my property. I think I can't think of a time when I've ever, I, I think a couple of times uh, in the recent years, I would build cairns. I think I've done that a couple of times, but I've also read that that they're asking not that people not do that anymore. So,
0: yeah, it disrupts the homes of the critters that could be underneath. But right. so, for all you people, for all you people, for all of you that are listening out there, um, know that if you do create something out in nature, create it, but then. Make it so it doesn't last, so you can create it, but then kind of put things back in their place. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're on your own property, no worries. Um, but for for other things like the mandalas sound amazing. Now, what is the name of your oracle? De- I have an obsession with oracle cards.
1: Oh, it's, it's called the, name- the Earth the Earth Altar Oracle Deck.
0: And we'll put the link in the
1: okay, great in
0: the show notes as well. Because um, yeah, oracle cards are great. So. Do you have a, like a couple tips for kind of the listeners that would, could help them with their own self-connection when it comes to nature or just
1: in general? Sure. I think it's one tip is just to make a commitment. So even like I did with the 30 day commitment, give yourself a challenge to, to go out in nature every day for 30 days or whatever, even, even if you have to just look out your window and just be deeply connected that way, or sitting with a house plant, because some days it might be really cold, it might be snowy, or 20 below or something. So of course, you don't, you know, make it, make it a little bit out of your comfort zone, though, so that you can stretch yourself a little bit. Um, the other thing that I recommend is just the uh, visual journaling is uh, another powerful tool. I know my granddaughter said one time, "Grammy, how did you, how did you get healthy?" And I said, "Visual journal, I just did journaling for a long time. I would just journal when I was angry. I could would even like sometimes I would push so hard with the pen it would like rip the paper, but that's okay. But just find a way to to get your emotions out because emotions are natural, and we we tend to judge them and think some of them are bad. But just to emotions are like a wave and if you can just allow yourself to ride the wave and then it will pass and to not stuff it though but just to give yourself permission for to to be angry because it's not the emotion itself it's the way that we express it
0: yeah i love it so visual journaling is that different than other journaling is are you drawing pictures or is it like what what is visual it is, journaling? It, is
1: to, to, it is different to me it because i see it as um The way that I do it is to, sometimes you can start with a scribble and and finding an image within the scribble. And then let's say that you would see a bird. And so just go ahead and, and then draw the bird, just ignore some of the lines and add others, but then add, and then add um, an, a background. So where is this bird and what was happening right before and what will happen after and how's the bird feeling? So, and then, so you've got the image there, but then you add the words around it. And sometimes I like to weave the words into the design. It's just so much fun. Oh,
0: Okay. So I'm to- I'm going to totally try this because that sounds amazing. And I like how you're combining the use of words plus the creativity piece, mm-hmm. because then it's, it's almost bringing it into like a full picture right? versus just a lot of times people will write words or they'll do something called a bullet journal. There's so many different ways to mm-hmm. journal. And, but I love this for people that like to draw or want to even just, this isn't mm-hmm. something anybody has to see.
1: Exactly.
0: So I'm imagining back when I was in elementary school, I had an art teacher who was an interesting art. Her name was Mrs. Laffey, but she never laughed. She, (laughs) but she was one of those people that, um, back then it's like, they corrected your pictures. Yeah. So I drew a picture of a house and she corrected it to look more like what it should look like, but, um, and right. And so that's why a lot of people struggle with art. I I remember this one activity that I think was with her or one of my art teachers where what they would do is they'd give us a piece of paper that already had like a line on it Mm -hmm. and we had to create it into something. And so when you talked about the bird, I could completely visualize that line Mm -hmm. um, that I could start with to then create, I'm almost seeing like a picture of a raven in my head. And then like, when you Mm -hmm. were saying like, draw the behind and like the trees or Or if you're feeling angry, like maybe the line turns into like a monster or something, right? right? And how that could really help process through. And I'm almost envisioning it could really help with intuition building.
1: Oh, definitely. So much. Definitely.
0: So I'm going to try that tonight when I journal.
1: Great. um, let, Let me know how it goes. I'd love to love to hear about it.
0: Yeah. So. I've kept you a long time and, but I could talk to you forever because your passions align so much with mine. And I have like a list of things that I want to kind of look into that you've already even talked about, but where can the listeners find you?
1: So I have, I'm on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter and LinkedIn. So I have a YouTube channel, but the simplest way to find me though, is to go to my website. It's www.thewilddivine.us. And so that's a great way to find me there. Cause then you can, there's a contact me link. I do discovery sessions. So that that would be a great way for people to find me. They can find the Oracle cards there and things like that.
0: Wonderful. And I will put all the links in the show notes, but I, I'll put your website first. So that way they can uh, click on that and everything will be hyperlinked. So it'll be very easy for you as you're listening to just go in and click on it and learn more. Um, it has been such a joy chatting with you.
1: Thank you. And I feel the same way. And I'm sure our paths will cross again and I'll look forward to it.
0: Yes. And I look forward to potentially, if you're interested, coming on again in a few months mm-hmm. and just being able to keep chatting with you because I think what you have and what you offer people is so valuable.
1: Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you,
0: Tamara. Thank you for being on the Save by Mother Earth podcast. What an amazing interview. I wanted to highlight a few takeaways from today's episode. Tamara mentioned nature as an oracle. Taking 20 minutes for a sit spot to really take in the acceptance of nature. The idea of critical edge, space of beings within nature, and reaching your edge and then pushing a little bit beyond that. Having gratitude on the land. This idea of having a vision council that walks with you as you set an intention of what you would like your walk to be. And using this idea of art. Art that doesn't last. So creating nature art on your own land. Also, visual journaling. What great takeaways from today's episode with Tamara. And I'm so happy you all tuned in. And I hope you too have some takeaways that you will try yourself. Also, As the week goes on, feel free to tune in to my Friday sessions of Nature Oracle card pulls on Instagram, where I will be live pulling a card for the collective. I will also be holding on Tuesdays at noon Eastern time, a women's circle where we talk about intuition and insight and dissect it out in a safe space to share how it might align with your goals. Feel free to join me for both of those by going to the show notes and finding the link to my website. Thank you again for tuning in to the Save by Mother Earth podcast. Until next time, I sign off with much love, and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Take care.